Sunday mornings every now and then. Uh, a few times a year I get an opportunity to come talk to you guys, uh, the adults. Uh, I see a couple kids out there. But uh, typically I work with 6th through 12th graders, even though I don't technically consider 6th graders humans. Um, they're weird. Um, you guys remember 6th grade. It's just strange. Let's forget about it. Um, no, I, I, I typically work with, uh, with younger people. And also, just kind of give you a little about myself, uh, I'm from the north, I'm from Michigan, and so I speak a lot faster. Uh, if me and Chris were to come out here and teach the exact same message word for word, uh, I would finish about 25 minutes before him. Uh, I just, I speak very quick, and so what he, you know, eight pages takes him 45 minutes, eight pages takes me about 20. Um, plus, I normally work with young people, so I do shorter messages. Of course, some of you guys are here like, amen, hallelujah. Um, that is exciting. No, uh, if you're new with us today, and, and this is your first experience, uh, again, I don't normally teach on Sundays, so if you like it, uh, if you like my style, you're going to love Chris next week. Uh, if you don't, um, you're going to love Chris next week. So, um, no, this is exciting. Of course, some of you guys are probably really confused. Wait, why, why did we show a, a movie trailer uh, at church? That just does not seem church-like. Uh, one church is a very different kind of place. We... Uh, we like to take uh, what's happening in, in culture and try to associate that with uh, something that you can actually walk out of here and apply to your life. So what can we learn from Edge of Tomorrow? Now, I just want to give you a heads up. There are going to be some spoiler alerts. Um, so if you have not watched the movie, I'm sorry. Um, not really. But uh, no, I, I hope that you guys actually go home and watch it yourself. I'm not going to ruin the ending, um, and, but you're going to kind of understand the basics. Uh, but no, uh, the, the Edge of Tomorrow... Has anybody ever just felt like they're living the same thing over and over again, or had a situation that just happens over and over and over again? Is that anybody out here? Is that, okay, yeah, I see a few of you guys. Um, that, that's me often, uh, uh, very often actually. I, I seem like I, I live the same thing over and over and over again. I worked at a sawmill uh, for a while, and I, I was a lumber inspector, and basically I just sat there and I looked at a board, put a mark, look at a board, put a mark, look at a... It's very, very monotonous, very, very trying. And, uh, and so something that I've been living through lately that just seems like it's happening over and over and over again, uh, I've got these two cats at home, and can we get the picture up here? All right. So Chris doesn't like cats. I do. I'm a cat person. But uh, the cute one over here, uh, that's Tyrion. And that one's Brittany's cat. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like him a whole lot. I, I often, whenever I introduce him, I say this is my cat Tyrion and his brother, uh, who unfortunately has to live here. Um, no, the, the truth is, is whenever we first got them, I, I found them. They're these little tiny kittens uh, in an abandoned house. And... Uh, uh, I, I got them, and I took them home, and, and I liked them both equally uh, then, but I discovered that Carlton, which is the other one, um, it's got this really, really annoying habit, and uh, I, I, at first I thought it was like accidental, but then as, as time went on, I realized it was completely intentional, and it was the sole purpose of just ruining my day. I, 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 I'm starting to understand why some people think that cats are in fact Satan, because Carlton, I, I'm sorry, bud, but he, he's tough. He, he lives there just because my wife's attached to him. And, uh, but, no, what he does is he, he has this habit of knocking over cups of water. He, uh, I swear, like, we can put a cup of water on the nightstand. And it started out very casual. Like, I would go to bed, I would wake up in the morning, come outside, step on 
wet, and I'm like, what is happening? Um, and, and I look down, and I see a mason jar, because we, you know, we're hipsters, we use mason jars as cups, but I see this mason jar laying on the ground, I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, they just played, because that's when cats play, is at night, when everybody sleeps, and then they sleep all day while everybody's awake, um, so they must have played a little too hard, ran over, knocked it over, whatever, no big deal, and so I clean it up, and uh, a couple days later, again, see the same thing, it's in the exact same place, and I'm like, huh, well, must have happened again, you know, uh, figure out something, and well, over and over and over again, this keeps happening. And of course, I know some of you guys are thinking, Dave, 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 what? Why are you still leaving cups out? That's besides the point, all right? Um, I don't know. It keeps happening. And so uh, I started to notice that it's not just happening in the morning. I swear I can get a cup of water, set it down, go use the restroom. And are we allowed to say that in church? Yes, we are. It's, it's natural. It happens. I go use the restroom, come back out, and the cup is on the ground, and I'm like, oh, oh who, which one of you did it? Like, I am determined to figure out which one, because at this point, I'm kind of just not liking them both equally, because um, I just keep getting this cup over and over and over again, and so it just happens. Anytime I leave the room for more than a couple minutes, if there's a cup of water there, it's on the ground, and uh, so finally, I get sly, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to figure out who it was, so I go, and I get a cup of water, and I make sure I set it on the table, and I make sure both of them see it. Like, I literally pick them up and show them the cup. I'm like, see, there's a cup of water here. Then I walk away, and I open the door, and I'm kind of peeking out, and I see that little white jerk. <laughs> get up on that table, and so, of course, I hop out of the, the room, and I'm like, ah, nah, nah, ah, ah, ah. it looks at me, and goes, Of course, I, my inner Hispanic comes out. I'm looking for my chinglata. You know, I'm going to, I don't know, no. You guys, you guys are probably wondering, how, how does this uh, work with church? How, how can I walk away with a life lesson from this? Oh, don't own cats, I guess, maybe. Um, no, uh, you, you're going you're gonna to get it in a moment. The fact is, is often, and in, in what I saw through this, uh, this video we just watched, at the end, it kept popping up these words. Live, die, repeat. Live, die, repeat. And it just says it over and over again. You're going to live, then you're going to die, and then you're going to repeat. And what we see in this movie, it's, it's about this guy named Cage, who's played by uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, I always envisioned if they made a movie about me, I would be played by Tom Cruise um, instead of Danny DeVito, um, which is probably reality. Uh, hey, a man can dream, right? Uh, so... So, it, live, die, repeat, live, die, repeat. And, and I started to realize, wait, hang on. That is very much so, so many situations that I have gone through. It seems like I get into something that's great, and I live it out, and it's awesome, and I'm just enjoying it. And then eventually something happens, or maybe lots of things happen, and it starts to fizzle, and it dies. And then I just hop back in, and I live it out for a period of time, and it's great, and then it fizzles, then it dies, and I repeat. And it seems like it's something like this that's always happening in my life, and I guarantee that's a lot of your guys' story out there. Whether it's your issue is you go from job to job to job to job, and you're wondering, why is it that I can never hold a job? And, and I get into a job, and it lasts for a period of time, and I live it out, and it's great. And then eventually it fizzles, and it dies, 
So I hop into another job, and it left, and it's great, and it's good, and I live it out, and it fizzles and it dies. Or maybe it's relationships. You go from relationship to relationship. You never understand why this relationship died. You never really understand why the next one's going to die. You're in it for a period of time, and it's awesome. And then conflict happens, and it dies, and then you just start over. We're constantly finding ourselves in this point of start over. Or maybe it's your second, third, fourth try at college. You know, I think, I think we give the word, you know, you really gave it a college try. Uh, because the fact is, is that's just off, often the case. You get in, and you, you really kind of try, and then it dies, and you have to start all over again. Well, why does that happen? It kind of hits us to a point where we step back and we question, why is this happening to me? Why is it that I keep going from, from one thing to another, and it, it, it's good, and then it dies, and then something else, and it dies, and something else, and it dies? Why does this happen to me? And I think it's really because we, we live off of, of, of a myth. And, and the myth is that experience makes you more wise. Experience makes you more wise, or makes you wiser. I don't know which is the proper term. Never did great in English class. Experience makes you wiser. I, and just to kind of throw out why this is a myth. If, if you were wanting advice on, on driving, okay? So you got two people you can ask advice on driving. One person has been in 25 wrecks. That's plenty of experience. The other person has been in a couple wrecks and hasn't been in one since. Who are you going to go to? You're going to go to the guy who's been in a couple and hasn't been in one since. And I'll explain why in a moment. But the fact is, is experience does not make you wiser. Experience makes you older. You know, the more experience you have, the more like Luther you'll look. Um, it, it, it doesn't make you wiser. <laughs> yes, that was spur of the moment. Uh, sorry. I, I have, a, I have a, a history of every Wednesday night I make fun of Luther uh, at least once. Because um, it's a bunch of kids and to, to them Luther is really old. But in reality I'm probably closer to Luther's age than their age. So yeah, just, yeah, anyway. Um, side note. But experience doesn't make you wiser. It makes you older. Well, what does make you wiser? And which brings me to my big idea. Evaluated experience makes you wiser. It's whenever you'd say, I'm going to take a step back or maybe two steps back and just really look at the situation and say, okay, why did it go wrong? Why did this happen? Why did did this fall apart? Why did this die? I was living so great. Why did it die? Evaluated experience makes you wiser. Well, how do we how do we evaluate experience? How do we how do we get into the the the, the ins and outs of, of 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 why something went you know fell apart or, or or why you know why it's no longer together? And and see what's funny about this is I, what I've known because I've been a pastor for for a couple years now and, and I've seen that we are as humans we are really good at at not repeating mistakes on things that don't really matter. I'll share what I mean. If you're really into video games, and you're playing a game, and you die in the game, you are really good at figuring out how not to die there the next time you play it. Really skilled. That's why people can beat a video game, you know, really fast, because they die, and they're like, oh, well, I'm just not going to do that next time, and so they go somewhere else. Or if you're really, if you're into sports, and, you know, and 
and you play basketball and you've got someone who who's you know really good at dribbling and they juke you out uh break your ankles as they say it. i don't know I don't, i'm not a sports person so i'm totally speaking french but um if, if, if you got somebody who's playing basketball and then they get past you, you learn really fast what it was that they did to get past you and you try to fix it. Or if you're playing chess or whatever your thing is, if, you know, if, if you're into crafts and you mess something up, you, you learn how to fix that. We are really good at not repeating mistakes on things that really don't matter. But whenever it comes to finances and our job and relationships and things that really do matter... We are so bad at adjusting. We are so bad at repeating mistakes that we've done over and over and over again. Live, die, repeat. Live, die, repeat. And so uh, we're actually going to watch another clip. And I, what I want you to do before we pull that up, I want you to, to notice a couple things. Uh, one, every time you're, you, you see something, it almost like it jumps back. You're going to see him die, and then all of a sudden it jumps back and a little bit, and you see him repeat it. The, every time he dies, he literally relives the same day. What's happening in Edge of Tomorrow is uh, he, he lives, relives the same 24 hours over and over and over again. He lives for a period of time, he dies, and then he wakes back up and does it all over again. So I just want you guys to watch this clip, and then I'm going to break it out for you. On your feet, maggot! Sergeant your fear! Sergeant your fear! Can I help you, My name son? is Major Bill Cage. I'm U.S. Army Media Relations. I was at a bachelor party or a poker game. You have an order in your left pocket that says, I'm a deserter caught impersonating an officer. But what it doesn't say is that your, your name is Master Sergeant Farrell from Science Hill, Kentucky. And if you'll give me 30 seconds to explain how I know that, you may just save the lives of every soldier on this base. You have to listen to me. They know we're coming. They're waiting for us. I have been there. I've seen it. You're all doomed. You're doomed. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. This is J-Squad. Yes? This is J-Squad, yes. Not that I should know that, but okay. Have any of you met me before? (laughs) One minute. What is he saying? Nance, what is he saying? On my mark, stand by to deploy. The ship is about to Getting slaughtered. You need to get us off this beach. We have to go. All right. Um, 
I don't know about you, that just seems like a lot of fun. No, uh, (laughs) not really. Uh, Something that, that I noticed about that is every time that he dies, you see him get just a little bit further the next time, right? He dies, he corrects, he moves forward. And at no point in time does he die and then just start whining about, oh, well, the truck hit me. Or, oh, the, the, the big ship fell on me. No, he doesn't blame anything but himself. He says, okay, well, how can I fix this? And he just, you know, maybe I need to run a little bit faster. Maybe I need to take a step backwards. Maybe I need to shoot to the right instead of to the left. He, he, he makes an adjustment every time, and he moves a little bit further. And something that I know about me, and I know about most of you, and, and, and I will dare to say that this is all humans from the beginning of humankind, we all have a tendency to pass the blame onto something else. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. Who's ever heard of Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve? Okay, a good chunk of you. If you're here and, and you're not really into this whole God thing, you're not into the Bible, hey, uh, I, I'm glad you're here with us and, and I welcome you. Even if you want to continue to believe that it's just all made up and, and walk out, but there's still something I think you can walk away from with us. Adam and Eve, which is the oldest account of, of human beings, okay, uh, that we know of, that, that, that we have, and, and as Christians, or as a Christ follower myself, I believe that they were the first human beings that God created them. He created them and gave them a garden for them to live in and basically do whatever they wanted. Okay, we all know the story, or most of us do. You can do anything you want in the garden, just don't eat the fruit from that tree over there, right? And of course, one day, you know, a snake comes along, convinces Eve to eat the apple, get, or whatever the fruit was. You know, we always say an apple just because... I don't know why, uh, but they eat the fruit, and then, you know, he gives it to, or she gives it to Adam, and Adam eats the fruit, and then they hide. And why do they hide? Well, why, well, they hide because that's just part of us. Whenever we do something we know we're not supposed to, we hide it. And while they're hiding, God comes looking for them and says, hey, hey, where are you? Where are you? And of course, you know, Adam and Eve pop out, and they're like, oh, you know, we, we were afraid because we were naked. We didn't want you to see us. And, and so God asks this all-important question, did you eat the fruit? And I would love to say that Adam stood up and said, you know, (laughs) said, oh, Lord, yes, I ate it. It was all me. It was my idea. Do with me what you will, but leave Eve out of it. She's innocent. No. That's not what happens. That's what should have happened. That would have been great. No, the man stands up and says, that woman... Guys, don't ever talk about your wife like that. That woman that you gave me, gave me the fruit, and I ate it. It's in other words, hold up, hold up, hang on, hang on, hang on. God, it is your fault, and it is her fault, and you two need to go off somewhere and talk it out, and then once you guys figure it out, come back and apologize to me. And, and, and if I've cooled down by then, I might forgive you. See, here's the crazy thing about that statement is, is there's some truth in it. See, that statement, it's, it's kind of true. It just wasn't the whole truth. You see, something I know about me and you is, is, is we, we want a story. So, so why, did, why did you guys break up? You know, and I'll tell you how, how you can tell if, if, if what your story isn't completely true is how excited you are about telling somebody else the story. 
See, we want the story that whenever someone says, hey, why, why aren't you guys together anymore? That by the end of the story, the other person's like, mm, girl, no, he didn't. No, no, he did not do that. We want that story so bad that we're willing to tell, I don't know, 90% of the truth. Let's, let's, let's just say 90% of the truth. We tell a story that, yeah, there's some truth in it, it's just not the whole truth. And so we're telling a story that's only 90% true for so long that eventually we actually believe it. We never actually own up to our 10%. You see, I guarantee you, if you look back at every situation that ended, that that there was a death to something, it was a death to a relationship, a death to a job, a, a death to college, a death to your finances, I'm sure that there are other people who have some, some play in, in why it happened. I'm sure there were some situations that, that it helped cause the situation. But I guarantee you that there is some part of it that's you. And this might hurt a little bit, and, and bear with me for a moment, it might get a little bit uncomfortable. It's already, it's hot. Some of you guys are praying, dear Lord Jesus, be a raindrop or central air. It's warm in here, but this is going to get really uncomfortable. The only thing, the only common denominator for the past seven mistakes or the past seven deaths, the past seven jobs, the past seven relationships is you. Mm, that hurts. The only thing that all of the jerks that you've dated, the past five jerks that you've, you've, you've gone out with, the only thing that, that has in common is that you picked them. And that hurts. That's not fun. We don't want to hear that. That's not a great story. But the fact is, is if we don't own our 10% of the pie, let's just say we got a pie chart, and, and you know, we take a circle and we, we give a little 10% to us, which in reality is probably 50-50, some of us might even be 60-40. But let's just, let's just, let's, let's give us, you know, help our self-esteem a little bit. Let's give ourselves 10%. If you don't own that 10% and you don't stop blaming that 10% on somebody else, you are laying the groundwork to completely undermine your future. Let me put it this way. If you blame, you are allowing, you're allowing yourself to smuggle your past into your future. If you never fix your 10%, that same 10% is going to happen in the next relationship. Remember, the more times you tell that 90% true story, the more you're going to believe it. Eventually, you're going to totally forget your 10%. No, it's hard. It's a little... Little, uh, little harsh, but you know, maybe to add a little community value. Maybe the fact is, is the reason my cat knocks over a cup of water every day is because I leave it out. That's my 10%. And in fact, I still allow that cat to live in my house. So, before, what else can we do? Um, the fact is, is uh, something, you know, looking at it from that perspective, it's, it's learning from a mistake that already happened, something that you've already had to live through. How can we prevent future mistakes from happening before we even get there? How can we learn a mistake without actually experiencing it? And, uh, and that's what brings us to our next clip. Please.
Excuse me. Sergeant Vitasky. Excuse me. Sergeant Vitasky? said you could talk to me. Because something on my face, soldier. You did. You did. Tomorrow. At the beach. Tomorrow. At the beach. We meet. You said to find you when I wake up. You do know what's happening to me. Come with me. Now, you don't talk to anyone about this but me. It's the best case scenario is you're going to end up in a psych ward. In the worst case, you'll get dissected for study. Are we clear? Yes? Yes. See, uh, what Cage does is he, he goes and he finds Rita. Now, it turns out Rita has actually lived in the same situation that Cage is currently finding himself in. And it allows him to then at, go into her experience, her evaluated experience, and learn what she has done so that he can actually move forward. It allows him to, to, to not have to waste all the time that, that he would have had to have wasted. It allows him to not have to, to go through all of the heartache and the pain of, of all the things he would have had to. Because he decided to go find Rita. You see, there's something in all of us, and it starts in 6th, 7th grade, that we decide we're going to separate ourselves from people who are older than us. It's good, you know, some of you might be parents of, of middle schoolers and you're starting to experience how they're starting to step away from you, starting to become a little bit more independent. Um, it, 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 it's not fun for you, sometimes it could hurt. It's good, and I'll explain why, because you don't want a 40-year-old living in your basement later on down the road. So, but something happens and we start to step away, and come on, let's be real, you guys were all 15 for an entire year at one point in time. You know that you were more intelligent than your parents. Right? You were smarter than them. You didn't have to listen to them. There was nothing that they said was going to change your mind. You knew what was best for you, and they didn't. They just don't want you to have fun, right? We all lived it. Like I said, I was 15 for an entire year. 365 days of it. And honestly, it probably carried on until my 20s. But still, there's something about us that we, we just don't want to listen to people who are older than us. We want to imagine ourselves as, as the most important, the most intelligent, the one who's actually dishing out advice. But one of the best things you can do is find someone who is 10 years down the road, who is 10 years further than you, who is 10 years more evaluated experience, and ask them, hey, how do I get around this situation? How do I fix this? And I think Paul said it best in, in 1 Corinthians uh, Paul is, a, is, is someone in, in, in the New Testament. He actually wrote 60% of it. He, he was someone who hated Christians. If you're here and, and you just like, I really don't like Christians, you don't dislike them as much as he did. And then he became one. And he goes around and he plants all these churches across the, the known world in the first century. And, and then he starts writing them letters. And, and we have a couple of the letters to the church in Corinth. And, and one of them in, in, in uh, chapter 11, verse 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, it says... Uh, follow me as I follow Christ. 
Which is to say, hey, I've been there, I've experienced it, I've lived it, I've learned from it. You don't have to make the same mistakes that I made. You can learn from me today, right now, and move forward and never experience the pain that I have felt. If you simply learn to follow me as I follow Christ... One of the greatest, one of the wisest things you can admit is that you're just simply not wise. You can realize that you need somebody in your life who can speak truth into your life. See, I've not been a Christ follower for very long. It'll be three years in August. Um, I did not live a very good young adult life. It was terrible. I was the person who went from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, trying to find what I needed and still doing it all wrong. And you know what? Every time that it ended in flames, look at how crazy she was. Look at how insane she was. Man, I really dodged a bullet there. These are things that I'm known to say. And it wasn't until, you know couple years ago, I, I started looking back and I said, you know what, I, I, even as a Christ follower, I still suck at this. What is wrong with me? Why is this still happening to me? And then I realized I'm still placing the blame somewhere else. And so I had to take a step back and I said, why is this happening? And I took my ownership of my piece of the pie. And I realized I could have done that better. It ended because I did this. Maybe I could have fixed it over here. Maybe I could have helped over here. You know, yeah, she, she, she had this part, you know, was, was wrong with her, but I, I had this part wrong with me. And I started to evaluate my experience, and I realized that, that you know, I, I have been the one ruining this the whole time. I can't control what someone else is going to do. I can only control what I'm going to do. I can only make decisions for what I'm going to do, how I'm going to react, how I'm going to, to move forward. And then I meet Brittany, who, who is just this saint of a woman. And I remember being terrified. God, don't let me destroy this person. She's so beautiful and so innocent. Don't let me mess this up. And I remember I'm sitting in a small group and I hear Luther talking about his, you know, kind of sharing his story. And I realized that, oh my goodness, Luther lived my life. We have almost the exact same past. And I remember going to him and saying, hey man, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? I remember him praying with me, and he gave me some guidelines. We set up some boundaries. Hey, don't go here. Don't go there. Make sure you're safe in this direction. It's because of him that I've had the most amazing first year of marriage. They say the first year is the hardest one you can have. It's, It's incredible. It's not been hard at all. We got a child coming in October. Um... And it's because I was willing to take a step back and own my piece of the pie. 
And I was willing to seek after someone else who was farther down the road and say, hey, how can you help me? Because I don't want to live the same pains that you lived. I want to learn from your pains, and I want to make your pains worth you living them out. So let me ask you, what's your piece of the pie? Have you really taken a chance to step back and draw your circle? And like I said, even if you just give yourself 10%, and sure, maybe get all the emotions out and write out all the things that the other person done. It was, it was my boss that did this. It was, it, was, it was him that did that. It was my teacher that did this. It was my parents that over here. And, and, and write out all the reasons why, why it's not your fault. And then find one thing that you can say and you can own and say, you know what, that was me. By the time you write that one thing, I guarantee you can find something else and say, you know what, that, that, that was me too. And it's going to hurt. It's going to suck. But if you don't do that now, you're going to repeat it in the future. And then ask yourself, who can I find that can speak into my life? Who has lived out what I'm experiencing right now? Who has already figured out how not to make the mistake that I keep repeating over and over again? Then ask them. I mean, you're asking them to smack you in the face with truth. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not fun. But you can't afford not to. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that even without the, uh, uh, the, the... the heat coming in and everything that we were able to get through this, and hopefully nobody fell asleep. Um, I'm sure they did. It's all right. God, I ask that everybody in this room, that we aren't just going to simply be a church to come and just check off the the, the note that, that we went to church this week, that we would be a church of action and take what you have to say and walk out with it. God, I, I ask that that, that you, you fill everybody in here with courage, ready to go out and do the hard thing, And really look at their past and say, what can I take ownership of? And God, I ask that that if there are people who who just need somebody to to learn from their experience and need somebody to, 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 to walk underneath for a period of time, that you just make it obvious and you place them in their path. So in your name we pray. Amen.